Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Classic Pinball Podcast. My name is George, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, George. Today we're here in Worcester with Jay Leone at Free Play Arcade. So, Jay, I've been to your place in Providence, and what an awesome arcade that is. I remember when I first went there, invited down, I was like, wow, this is like the arcade of my youth, Fun, Fun and Games Arcade. It's like closest thing to any arcade I've been to, just like that. The ambiance, the, uh, the retro feel to it, the music, the lighting, just freaking you captured it just right. And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about the history of it all, how, how you start in this whole madness and how, how you got into the whole gig. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much, uh, George and Dave, for having me uh, on this podcast. It's a pleasure. Um, so what we did in Providence and what you've experienced in the past, we, we tried to recreate here in Worcester. So, uh, you know, the lighting, the game selection, uh, the sounds, uh, everything that you look and see and hear is, is a duplicate of what we did in Providence, right? Try to recreate that period of time. Um, that maybe you grew up in, you know, the golden yes. age of, of arcades and pinball, right? Sure. Um, so, uh, how did it all start? Um, I would say it's about uh, 12 years ago now. Uh, a friend of mine asked me if I knew where to find a, a Street Fighter II arcade machine, arcade game. And I said, no, why would I, you know, why would I have one of those? Or I don't know how to find those things. I said, why don't you try eBay? Um, and sure enough, he did, and he found one. He found one on eBay. Now, fast forward a few years later, uh, he got married. He called me. He said, um, my wife says the arcade game's got to go. Um, are you interested in it? You know, do, do you want a Street Fighter arcade machine? And I said, no, I didn't really grow up playing Street Fighter. I played Mortal Kombat. You know, Mortal Kombat was my game. And uh, I said, I'd love to have a Mortal Kombat. And uh, he's like, well, you know, do you want the game or not? I said, no, I don't. So, but that got me thinking. Um, you know, I wound up uh, looking for a Mortal Kombat, you know, on eBay, just like what I told him to do. And I found one. Um, and it was this giant warehouse that this guy had, uh, full of arcade games. And I went there to pick up the Mortal Kombat, and my eyes, you know, lit up. I was like, wow, I want, like, every game in this place, you know. Um, so instead of buying just the Mortal Kombat, I bought two games. You know, I bought Mortal Kombat and, a, like, a space game called R-Type that I remember playing as a kid. And that's pretty much where it all started, you know. Um, you know, one game turned into two, turned into ten, turned into hundreds, you know, so. That's... I, I have no idea how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody does. So were you primarily a video collector or buyer at first? Absolutely, yeah. Well, when, when did the pins enter the game? Yeah, uh, the pins, you know, I was still just a, a hobbyist, just collecting video games that, you know, hadn't turned into free play or had a commercial, you know, arcade or anything like that. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be cool to have a pin after maybe having 20 or 30 video games. Um, I said, you know what, everybody's in this hobby, you know, that I know has like a few pinball machines. You know, I know they're expensive compared to like the video games and they're a lot of maintenance and I really don't know anything about pins. I, I didn't really play pinball too much growing up, um, but I, I played mostly video games. I said, all right, you know, let me see if I can find a pin. And, and I knew nothing about pinballs. Um, and there was a guy on Craigslist who had three or four pinballs for sale at the time. And, you know, I went and looked at him and I said, eeny, meeny, money, mo. Okay, I'll take that one. Yeah, no idea. 
Okay. And, and I played them all, and I was like, So oh, what was the first what game? What was that game? Uh, it was a Who Done It by uh, Valley. Oh, right? yeah. Yep. Very first pinball machine. Sure. Now, mind you, on the side of, of the Who Done It, he had like a Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, and, uh, that would have better. And get. like a few other like A list titles, <laughs> yeah. the Theater Magic or something. And, sure. and I was just, I didn't know what I was buying. Right. And, and But the Who Done It was the cheapest out of all of them. Sure. And I said, Okay, I have a budget. I can afford this one. Yep. And it seemed to play great, and that's where I started. Um, and then again, one pinball turned into two and three. That's probably about it. So, so, so you were a, a, a child of what arcade era would you say? Where were you like the I kind of missed. Yeah, 80s? I missed the golden age. You know, they, they, people call the arcade golden age the eighties. You know, okay. when everything was coming out in the early eighties, right? Right. For, for at least for the video game side. Of yeah. It. Um, and I was too young. I, I know I was like five years old when that okay. was happening. So I totally missed that. But my brother, who's a little bit older than me, um, you know, got to really enjoy that that period of time. And I came more into the 90s, you know, arcade scene. So the fighters, you know, the Mortal Kombat, the Street Fighters, yep. and Laserdisc games, and, you know, all that stuff was kind of like what I grew into in, in, in the uh, early to mid-90s. Um, and But I always appreciated the classics from the 80s because that's what I played on Atari and Coleco. Right. Yep. As a child, you know, sure. I played the Donkey Kongs and the Centipedes and all that stuff, but on the home console. Um, so it was an easy kind of, you know, jump for me to get into the, the classic arcade games that I played, you know, on the video game console and, and start collecting those too, so. So as, as it sounds like Donkey Kong is one of your uh, pride and joys on it because that's what you have as your, your logo, seems a Donkey Kong thing. Yeah, that's right. So certainly it, I remember playing Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, on the Coleco when I was, you know, a kid, six, seven, eight years old or whatever. Um, and, and so that is just an iconic, right? I mean, like, if you have to look at the top five video games, you know, Donkey Kong is, is one of them, you know, of all time. Yep. And so um, when we picked our logo, we went through a whole bunch of iterations of, you know, what game we wanted to try to, like, you know, maybe uh, emulate. Or, what says or what it was, all What was, you know, most recognizable. What captures that time frame. Yeah. Correct, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but without, obviously, infringing on any type of copyright or anything sure. like that. And so, you know, we, we looked at a number of different options and, you know, just taking that, you know, kind of ladder barrel scene, you know, the girders and everything from Donkey Kong yeah. was, was just, uh, you know, a surefire win. We were like, yeah, yeah, everybody knows that, you know, it's just, you look at it and you're like, oh, Donkey Kong. Like, even getting here today, I wasn't sure I was in the right spot. Then I looked, I was like, oh, I'm in the right spot. I see the uh, the girders and the barrels. Right. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> know where yeah. I am. The sign is awesome. <laughs> Two you. of them outside. Awesome. <laughs> Very recognizable. People yep. all the time, you know, will comment and they'll see me wearing the logo on my shirt or something in the yeah. They're like, oh, wait, I recognize that. Is that, you know, like they made up they may not pick up Donkey Kong right away, but they'll be like, I remember that. And they're right. like, is that an arcade? And, and so it, it, it is synonymous, right, with, with the, the logo and, and with an arcade. So It brings you right back to that time frame. And that's, a, the, again, that's the heyday right. of video games. That's when they're really coming in. They actually were starting to push pinball machines out a little bit for space because, you know, with a video game, all you really need to do is, you know, the, the old adage goes, clean glass, empty coin box, repeat. Right, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it, it's interesting to listen to you, Jay, because... I'm a little older, and I don't remember that heyday of 80s. I was newly married. I bought a business. I kind of forgot about the whole arcade experience. And most of my arcade experience is in pinball. The classic, you know, Pac-Man, Qbert, Chapper. That's about it. I'm not much of a video guy. So it's great to listen. And... Looking at the number of games here, and then looking at your website, you have a 
huge arsenal of games. Thanks, George. Yes, it's it's been. I, I know I'm not reminding you. Just look around the room, and and people listening to this will post pictures. This is an awesome space. He's got. If you're a video fanatic, he's got one of everything here, and if not two or three, and they're games that are very recognizable. We'll get to the pinballs in a second, but yeah. I want to make sure sure people get the whole idea of what this place is about. Yeah, it's an awesome feel. The, uh, the the classic video game vibe is here, and also the uh, that that mid '80s '90s William Valley thing. You got that pretty well captured too on the pinball side of things. It's very nice. Yeah, uh, certainly. You know, a video game collector first, um, and a pinball collector as a must. You know, owning a classic arcade, um, you kind of have to have both. And, and we try to appeal to. You know, so many different um, you know customers or patrons. It's like, well, what did they grow up playing as a kid? Right. You know, or as a young adult, did they did they were they pinball players? Were they, you know, classic you know arcade you know game players? Were they Dance Dance Revolution you know players, which was well after my time? Um, you know, were they air hockey, ski ball, whatever it is? You know, I, I try to capture a, a whole bunch of different types of players, even casual. You know, folks who, who maybe weren't really uh, video game players in the arcades, but will walk up to Pac-Man and be like, oh, yeah, I, I played this, you know, when I was a kid on Atari or something, but I never went to the arcades. And then they can come here and they're like, oh, so this is really how it all started? You know, these games used to be in these big, clunky cabinets before yep. they made it to, you know, the consoles that we played as kids. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's a learning experience to try to, you know, um, to try to create something like this in this space and appeal to so many different folks. Um, you know, when I first opened Free Play in Providence, it was a bunch of 80s games. You know, it was, it was all the Atari classics and the, and the Valley Midway classics. Sure. Very few pinball machines, um, no skee-ball, no DDR, no 90s, you know, games. And I quickly realized, like, I'm kind of just pigeonholing myself into a period of time just for the folks that used to go to the arcades in maybe the early 80s. Right. But what about all the people that went to arcades in the 90s and, and, and beyond. Sure. You know, they didn't play, you know, maybe they played Pac-Man and Donkey Kong because that was the only thing that was left in the classic era. But they were playing Ninja Turtles, they were playing Simpsons, they were playing X-Men, you know, stuff that, you know, I never collected and never thought I would need to collect, but I quickly realized, like, there's a generation after me right. that went to arcades that played games that I never played. And, and I want to try to capture that, you know, period of time in this arcade as well. So what do you say, what, what's your... Um... Your audience that comes in here, what, what, like we just say age 20 to yeah. six, 60 maybe? Or? It's a wide range, yeah. It, it certainly is, I would say, early 20s all the way to, yeah, 50s, 60s. I would say our, our target demographic is, is more like late 20s to early 40s. So, okay. again, still a very wide range, right. you know, in terms that's of age. That's the demographic. But yep. that's what's coming here. That's the demographic. Here's the big question. When did you make the leap? from collector to <laughs> yeah. business owner. Yeah. And how did that come about? When did it come about? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so the leap happened uh, officially uh, just over three years ago um, when we opened Free Play in Providence. That was uh, August 11th, uh, 2017. So um, that really, I think, is when it went from being a, a hobbyist, you know, with a whole bunch of games to being, you know, an operator, if, mm. they, if they call it that still, right, of an, of an arcade. 
Um, and even though uh, I made the leap and, I, and I, I was involved in a, in a commercial, you know, type of um, environment, um, you know, I'm still a hobbyist at, at, at heart, right? And um, I'm still collecting this stuff, and I don't, I'm still not really thinking of it as much of uh, as, a, as a commercial operation as, as I just like to fix games and repair games. Well, you know, what shows you got a you got a love of the game versus more like just it takes a quarter in. I don't care if it's a busted whatever. It takes a quarter in. You're more right. like you got a passion for it, and it shows. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Dave. It's it's it really is like I think without that and and without th uh, that passion to be able to just like I want the game to work, I want it to work well, and I want other people to enjoy it just the way I would want to enjoy it. Right. Is is the number one principle, right? I mean, anybody can just uh, you know throw a game on location and, and charge whatever, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work or some buttons don't work, uh, whatever, they'll figure it right, out. Good enough, yeah. Yeah, good enough, right? <laughs> I mean, there's so many operators, I'm sure, that did that yep. uh, throughout the years, and, and I can tell you a lot of the games that I've purchased uh, didn't work or didn't work 100. percent Like a bubble gum and tape and black oh. tape and inside them electrical tape. You know exactly. And, oh yeah, I've yeah. Seen it. You've seen it a million times <laughs> yeah. for sure. Seen it. You oh, open yeah. it up and you're like, oh look at this hack. Oh, another <laughs> yep. operator hack. You know, but I mean. Not not to defend them, but sometimes I get it. You know, some of these games might have been out in the middle of nowhere, sure. right? And they, you know, you got to work with what you have, and it's like, well, whatever you can do to keep it working, you know. Um, they so get a bow. They have a Bowie knife and a marshmallow. Make it yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, total MacGyver trick, right? Jay, how many games did you bring into your first venture from your personal collection, and then how did you come to acquire? all the machines here because it appears that it's double the pleasure, double the fun, <laughs> double the machines, yeah. double everything. Double, <laughs> double the rent. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, yes. Uh, uh, great question. So I should back up a little bit and, and, and uh, explain a little bit how Freeplay started um, before we actually became Freeplay. So uh, a friend of mine who is who's actually my business partner now in Freeplay in Providence and also here in Worcester, uh, he owned uh, a nightclub and uh, he had a space on the first floor of the nightclub that was basically empty. It wasn't being utilized. And for years, when I was a hobbyist just collecting games, I, you know, I, I mentioned to him several times, I said, look, we should really talk about doing a classic retro arcade in that space you have on the first floor of your nightclub. You know, I said it's not being utilized, and you know these these things called barcades that are kind of popping up all around the country. Yes. You know, more so on the West Coast at the time. And I said, I think they're going to head here, and you know, we could really open something really cool and new in Providence that nobody else has, and I think it'd be a hit. And uh, so at the time, my business partner wasn't really convinced that you know these you know classic arcades were something that people would be interested it was in. A thing. Yeah, it was a thing. It was a fad. You know, could could you really turn it into a business? You know, are people really going to come out for this? You know, more than just once, you know, play the game and be like, oh, that was cool, and then leave and right. never come back. You know, so did it have any staying power? You know, um, and you know, what's the demographic? You know, how how many people are going to come to this thing? And, and you know, so. I had to really prove to him that this was a thing and that we should try it. Um, and so we did these pop-up events. We had these pop-up arcade events at his nightclub, which was called, uh, the pop-up event was called the Arcade Revival. Um, and so the first time we did one, um, we started with uh, 60 games, I think, 50 or 60 games. And it was a three-day... That's more than a pop-up. That's a, that's a lot of games. It reminds, reminds me of a movie. Uh, if you build it, they will come. They will come, yeah. <laughs> well, we wanted to go big. I mean, um, you know, I had a pretty large collection at the time. I think maybe I had 
80 or 100 games in, in my arsenal of, of you know video games. No pinball, by the way. Maybe I had that one that I had purchased, but it was mostly all vids. And, uh, and we were doing this for a three-day weekend. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I said, okay, I, I enlisted some of my friends, the arcade you know, hobbyists, to help me. I said, we're going to move all these games out of my garage into this nightclub in Providence you know, for three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we got to you know, make sure everything works. This is a, you know, a big, I know, risk that we're taking. You know, it's a big undertaking to, to kind of bring everything there and set it all up for three days. But just, just trust me, let's do this. Um, so we did it. We, you know, we spent months kind of working, preparing, making sure everything was, you know, all the games were, you know, not bubble gum. And, and on top of that, you had, how'd you advertise to get, make sure Barty's going to get in that place yeah, and see everything? Yeah. How'd you do that? Good question. So we did a, a mixture of, you know, social media ad campaign and a, an old fashioned kind of like fire, you know, around the coffee shops, all downtown Providence, you know, any other place that we could get into to, to put a fire up or, gotcha. you know, we would do that. So it was a, it was a mix of old and new, right? So we, we really did a good job, and we assigned some some people within our you know kind of community to kind of go up and help promote this thing. I've mo- mostly focused on getting the video games to work and getting them at the, to the venue, uh, and, and a lot of my friends were, were really on the on the trail there, kind of like you know the campaign trail, putting up the, the signs and the flyers everywhere. So, but in the end, it worked. I mean, um, we started with that sixty games in a in a small area of the nightclub. We didn't even have the whole nightclub. We had about half of it. And uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, that whole three-day weekend, maybe we did, I don't know, 400 people through, through the doors, you know, that whole weekend, which was a good number, more than what we were expecting. We didn't know what it was going to turn out to be. And that's um, when the, the floors were uneven. There was some weird stuff going on. People yeah. Were, you know, I think, I think I was there for that. I think uh, Mike and Chris told me about it way back when. I think I remember I was going for that original opening thing. I thought it was really super cool. Yeah. And But I just remember saying... You know, this, like, uneven floor <laughs> thing, was, this has to go eventually. It was know? still a nightclub. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we literally just moved our games into a nightclub to, uh, you know, check it out. And there were uneven floors. There were there were VIP, you know, kind of tables yes. for the nightclub. Yep. Uh, and, and so it definitely had a look and feel of a nightclub still more than an arcade. But it was very different, though. I like the feel of it anyway because it had, you never really saw anything like this before, the way yeah. it was laid out. So it, was, it had this cool factor to it you know we kind of threw it together you know as quickly as we could we got in maybe on a tuesday or a wednesday to move the games in and we had to have everything done and ready by thursday night when we opened the door so it was a huge undertaking not only just move all the games in but so we didn't have you know electrical you know hookups for all the games and it was a nightclub it wasn't designed to be an arcade right yeah so you had to get more power in we had to get too, more right? power and, yeah. and we had to do some slight electrical work you know temporary just to make everything you know work and, and power up okay um, but we did it. We pulled it off, and my, uh, you know, soon-to-be business partner, <laughs> you know, at the time, my friend that owned the nightclub was happy, and he said, "Okay, when do you want to do a second one? This one, this one really seemed to, to do well. You know, let's see if there's some staying power here, and if people actually come back." We were going into the fall winter time, and I said, "You know what? Why don't we wait until the spring? The last thing I want to do is, is lug all these games back here again in the January." Got a snowstorm. Got a snowstorm right. that weekend. Yeah, it's going to be the weekend that we pick. Obviously, there's going to be a huge blizzard, there you and go. it's just yep. going to be a disaster. Why don't we wait until, like, March? So six months later, we did another one. And this time, we upped our game. Um, we, we brought, I think, 90 games. So we, we you know really went from 60 to 90. So it was a lot more games. We brought some pinball. I think we had five pinballs. Um, and I think we even had one skee-ball machine, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, now this time, we had the front and the back of the nightclub, so we had more space. Mm-hmm. Um, in that time, same Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, bigger undertaking. Um, we had more people. I think we did, you know, double the people that we did the first time. We advertised it harder, but some people had already been to the first one six months ago. They told their friends, you know, so it just turned out to this huge event. 
to, I remember the Saturday night during the second arcade revival, I looked around and every game in the entire place was being played. Awesome. There was not one empty game. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, available for somebody. So these to play. were your marketing events. Correct. To prove to your pro- theory to that prove. there is and a market out. for an arcade. Yeah, these were our trial test runs yep. uh, for both myself and my business partner um, now. And, uh, you know, he looked at me at the end of that third night on a Saturday and he's like, we don't need a third one because right. we were supposed to do three yeah. test runs. Right. Uh, he's like, when do you want to start? Awesome. And so, was, so with that, was that part of the fee to get into the nightclub? You got the arcade, or was it two different? Yeah, so it was two different. So the nightclub was upstairs, was still kind of a separate entity. And even today, it, uh, you know, that part of the nightclub is a separate entity still, and there's a separate fee. Um, we'll get into, you know, Rewind and, and the other nightclub portion of it that's tied to free play a little later on if you want. Sure. Um, but, uh, but that's how it all started and uh, how the pop up events turned into free play. Well, I think one thing that we need to tell the audience is, if you haven't guessed by now, free play, it's one price per entrance, and you can play unlimited games, correct? That's right, yeah. And you'd be amazed at how many people, you know, uh, I think... Ask you for quarters? They yeah, they, they, quarters they, they come in, in they <laughs> say, where are the change machines? Or are there tokens? You know, where, where is there... You know, we get that question so many times, even three years later. And wow. And wow. so, like, a lot of people, maybe they don't get the, the, the free play kind of term and, and why we're called free play... You're correct. All the games are set to free. It's a um, you know five dollar admission charge during the week or a ten dollar admission charge on the weekends, and you get to play all 150 games in Providence for free, including pinball, skee ball, air hockey. All Folks, the video did games. you hear that? Five bucks during the week to play unlimited pinball and video, and, if you and ten bucks on weekends, and you have a bar. Right. So, it, so it raises the question: Is there an age? minimum to come in there is so it is a 21 plus uh, venue uh, because of the bar um and the drink so no age. children so no children uh however you know early on um we didn't even really think about this you know we always just said this is going to be a 21 plus only kind of venue we had so many requests from from customers that's that would come to us and say i really wish you guys would have a kids day or something you know my kids would love this right i want to show them what i grew up with yep. what arcades were like sure you know when i was a kid and, and i'd love to experience this with them would you guys ever consider doing you know uh you know kind of a family, family event day or, or something, something a family day yeah so we we took that question very seriously and we said you know what let's give it a try um let, let's try it and see what happens and uh so we did our first family day, you know, maybe, I don't know, six months after we opened, and it was a huge hit to the point where people were asking us repeatedly when the next one is, when's the next family day, when's the next family day. So we were doing them, um, you know, twice a month, um, wow. you know, and, and it became a thing. So It was like a Saturday uh, day kind of thing? or Yeah, we alternate Saturdays and Sundays because okay. we, we know, you know, we've got a lot of parents that would tell us, look, I'd love to come, but I have commitments on Saturdays right. or Sundays. Can, so we just decided we'd alternate. And we do some Saturdays and some Sundays. Gotcha. So you kind of maybe did like a, a, a 12 to 6, and then after that you want to get the Saturday night crowd in, the regular crowd, I'm sure, the drinking crowd Yeah, later. that's right. We would actually do, um, you know, our normal hours are we open at 5 p.m., um, so we would do an 11 to 4, Okay. Uh, and that would give us an hour to kind of like get folks, you know, out and sure. clean and do a quick cleanup and turn before the 5 o'clock uh, crew, you know, 21 plus. Yeah, came in, so. nice. So I'll add one more question to the pile. Is there food at your location in Rhode Island? There is. It's minimal. Right now, it's just, uh, you know, flatbread pizza. And, and we do that, you know, for many reasons. One, 
is, um, you know, we want to have some food to keep customers there, and we had so many requests from people saying, look, I want to eat, you know, something just quick so I can go back to playing the games. I'm starving. I don't want to leave. So um, we have, you know, flatbread pizzas. They're nine bucks. Uh, they're enough for two people. Um, and, but, it, you know, we always told our customers, look, if you want, you know, a gourmet meal or if you want to go out somewhere in Providence, there's so many fine restaurants around town, really within walking distance. Go there first, right. have your nice dinner, yep. come to us afterwards, and then plan on spending the night. This is your entertainment. Yeah. Right? And, and they do that. You know? And we even offered some customers uh, you know, re-entry, free re-entry. So even if they come to us you know, early when we first open, and they say, you know what, I want to go grab a bite to eat, but I really want to come back because I want to play more games, uh, we'd let them come back. <clears throat> you know, give them a stamp and let them come back in after they have dinner. So, nice. Yeah. Very nice. That's great. I'm going to put in a commercial plug here for a second. Audience, these are the games that he has available in Rhode Island. We'll get to the Worcester location in a second, but these are all the pins. We are a pinball show. Adam's Family, Attack from Mars, Doctor Dude, Doctor Who, F14, Firepower, Fishtails, Funhouse, Monster Bash, NBA Fast Break, Phantom of the Opera, Pinbot, not done, Pirates of the Caribbean. Scared Stiff, Star Trek Next Generation, Taxi, Terminator 2, Theater of Magic, and World, and I've seen some of those games at this location as well. That's an arsenal, and that's a lot of games. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it took a long time to, uh, to collect all those uh, pins, like as I mentioned earlier. By the way, the last one was Whirlwind, I think. Uh, Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Oh, what did yeah. I call it? Whirl? Whirl, Whirl yeah. Whirl. That's, Whirl. What's on, that's what's on your website. Yeah, I, I caught that and I updated that. <laughs> and I wrote Whirlwind, <laughs> Whirlwind next Whirlwind, to it, yeah, so. it was Whirlwind. Oops. Um, yeah, no, no worries. Thank you for the plug, by the way. <laughs> yes, uh, I think we have a 20 pinball machines in Providence, and we have about 17 or 18 here in Worcester. Uh, look, you guys know this. Pinballs are a lot of work. Oh, yes, know? they are. <laughs> in oh, yeah. terms of not just acquiring them, um, especially in the, in the um, you know, pinball craze that we're in right now, I would say. Yeah. So acquiring them can be difficult and expensive. Yes. But then maintaining them um, and, and not just keeping them running, but to maintain them to a, to a level that, you know, we have some very serious pinball players in the area. And the last thing I want to do is get a complaint that you know exactly. my pins are not up to yep. up to par with you know some other location. Sure. Comes with the territory. It does. <laughs> it does. And and I can tell you that pinball maintenance in free play is single handedly one of most my ex, mo, most expensive. Wow. You know, um, I'll call it maintenance and repair of, yep. of all the video games and everything I, I have on location. Sure. Pinball repair is is on. The you know top everybody. Of the list. Is nodding their head in the grave, right? Yeah, out of the <laughs> yeah. audience right now. Well, you got a steel ball rolling around and hitting things. So yeah, yeah, that's easy, right? Uh, yes. So to, to keep the pinballs running and, and, and a, at a you know very high level of quality uh, is expensive and time consuming. But sure. I understand the value it offers. So um, you know, starting out, I had like I said early on, just just a handful of pins. When we first did the revival event, we had five pins, and I think three of them were on loan. Uh, from a friend of mine, so I had like two, mm. um, and then when we first opened Free Play in Providence, you know, months later, I think I had five, and, and it took me so long. I mean, to acquire, you know, twenty pins for Providence, and then to try to acquire another twenty pins here for Worcester, it, it's not an easy feat. Pins, I mean, you guys know, and everybody listening probably knows that these things are just getting more expensive with time. Yes, they sure are. Uh, you yeah. know, even the titles that you consider B and C list are like, wow, those pins are commanding that yeah. kind of cash now. It's crazy. Yeah. 
um, you know, so to get in this hobby and to, and to buy a pinball and maintain it, it's not for the faint of heart, right? So to have an army, uh, you know, or a fleet of 20, you know, pins and some A-list, some B-list, and some C-list, yes, it's costly and it's expensive. Especially if people beating on them all day long for hours at a time, they're taking some punishment. Yeah, you know? and it's something that I think hard, uh, you know, very hard about is you know because this this is a free play kind of venue where all the games are free right and limited yes you know there's a lot of people that come in and play pinball and they're not pinball players and and they just beat the hell out of oh, these games oh yeah flap flap with the flippers flap, flap, over, yeah all over, day over. Oh, just, boy, they, you know, oh, they, they, they just do, do it all down the lineup you know they'll yep. just play every one of them that way and yep. it's like and these aren't children no these no. are adults they may have had a few beers <laughs> or drinks oh, right you know um, you can be forgiving if you're five <laughs> right right but if you're 35 or 55 you kind of look and say you you realize this is a, a sophisticated piece right. of machinery. There's some finesse going yeah. on, not just freaking, you know, whack yeah, the flippers we, 25 times. Correct. We've, we've kind of seen it all. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you guys have. And and so, you know, to to have a, a, a collection of 20 pins that are just getting hammered, you know, because there's no charge, you know, you don't have to put a dollar in or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, people will just sit there and play them for hours. And so the, I would say they probably get more abuse in a free play environment like this than in just a regular standalone pay-as-you-go arcade. Would you ever consider, to that point, is like having free play, but again, people that want to throw the quarters in, yeah. maybe throw some quarters into the pinball machines? Or that's yeah, so I've seen that before. You know, yeah. I looked at a lot of other barcades I, you know, before we started free play, and I, I looked at the business models, and I tried to understand how other places were doing it, and, and I saw a lot of barcades... Uh, the pins were free. I'm sorry, the vids were free, but the pins you had to pay for. Mm. And so maybe the pins were 50 cents or a dollar. And right. if, they, if there were any new Stern pin, it was absolutely a dollar uh, right. to play. At and a minimum. At yep. a minimum, oh, yeah. right. Yep. So I've thought about it. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, but I have thought about in the future maybe expanding. Because, you know, they're cranking out so many new pins now. Yeah. You know, not just Stern, but these all the boutique manufacturers, whether it's, you know, Jersey Jack or Spooky or whoever it is. Yes. You know, it's becoming more crowded in, in the pinball market, right? And there's so many new pins coming on the market now, so more I think than than ever. Oh right? yeah, maybe in the '80s, but yeah. um, that I'm thinking about maybe adding what I'll call like a VIP pinball area, right? Sure. So if you want the newest, latest, and greatest Stern or Jersey Jack, whatever it may be, sure, I'll put that there. But you got to pay for it. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, yeah. and I don't know if I'm going to do it yet, but you know, I'd, I'd love to hear. Like like anything, you start with one, see how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Um, I'll consider it, and uh, and I think that'll help too. Uh, well, I'll call it the the uh, the abuse factor, right? So the second you start charging a dollar, or whatever, you know, I don't think those pins are going to get abused as much as maybe the free play pins would, right? Right. So um, that's so, true. They're not because now they're going to pay. You're going to pay. To, to, you know, pay your way kind of thing. So they're not going to get like you, like you said. Yeah. So, so any, like a governor or a filter. Exactly. Effect. So yeah. the, the regular patron who knows nothing about pinball and, and or video games or for that matter just right. comes in and starts hammering the flippers. Right. Uh, you kind of now you know filter that out. Yes. So to speak. Yeah. Pins uh, require a lot of maintenance. You guys know that for sure. Um, parts vids, aren't cheap. Parts and, and labor's yeah, not cheap. Parts and labor are not cheap yep. on, on pinball maintenance. But vids, for the most part, are you know, very reliable. Um, you know, with the exception of the, maybe the monitor, you know, these CRTs are getting old now, you know, from the 80s, 90s, and, and they're not being made anymore, right? So right. to keep the original CRTs running um, can be expensive and hard to find parts for, but they run for 10, 20, 30 years, you sure. know? Um, so once you, you maintain them and, and you do whatever you need to do to keep them going, they're fine. Power supplies, they're cheap and reliable, and they're, you know, you can replace them if needed. 
So other than that, you're talking about buttons, joystick, and a game board. Yeah, simple Again, stuff. The game boards are very reliable, um, and you know the buttons and the joysticks are the only things you have to maintain, and even those are, you know, very reliable and cheap if you need to replace them. Yeah, pinball is a whole other story. So how hard <laughs> was it to acquire all the games for this location? Uh, so again, it, collecting you know ten plus years, um, it, it took some time. Uh, it's not for somebody that is maybe a, not a, a collector or, or a hobbyist. It didn't start that way, right? Because one, trying to find all these games today uh, and, and procure them is not an easy task. I mean, so, so over time, you, this is a long time thing. Yeah. Little by little, like a bank account, slowly scroll things oh, away, yeah. and then yeah. boom, here yeah. you are. Absolutely. Right. It, it's not something you can just walk into and say, yeah, I, I'm going to pay X number of dollars and buy everything, I'm going to start you a You didn't decide game. six months ago and say, Okay, quest to buy 80 vids yeah, and happen. 20 pins. Correct, no. no. Did not happen this that is, way. This is ridiculous amount which, of Which brings capital. me to another question right. about your first location and now your second. Is there a cache of games that are not used mm. and do you rotate things in and out so your sites stay fresh? Yeah, great question, George. So I learned a lot from Providence in the first you know, three years um, in terms of before I built Worcester here in terms of what gets played and what doesn't get played. Uh, what are the must-haves and what are the nice-to-haves or, or what's the stuff you're going to rotate out to keep it fresh? And there's a whole lot of that going on behind the scenes here in both locations. So, so you do like an audit? You do like a game audit and on how many plays and stuff and so forth? Yeah, so uh, right now or in Providence, you know, there's counters on the games and those are mostly activated with the quarters. But because there's no quarters, there's oh. really no counters. Right. There are on some of the more advanced games, you can go in and get some statistics. Right. I really don't pay attention to any of that stuff. Okay. I, in Providence, I, I'm there almost every night and I watch what gets so you played. See. I walk by every game all yep. the time yep. and I know what gets played and okay. I know what doesn't get played. Okay. And when games aren't getting played, it's it's an easy as okay. It's time to rota rotate it out. Yeah. And there, there's lots of video games that I thought were so cool and so fun, and and you know whether they were rare games that you know a collector must have, or another game that you thought, oh yeah, everybody played that. You'd it, be amazed at how many people don't play it's that. It's like you and one other guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. it yeah, and, and I'd be like, no, oh, that game has to leave. I'm like, I love it. You know, my buddy over here loves it, but yeah. nobody's playing it. Maybe right. it's too challenging, or, or people don't remember it. It's time for it to go. You know. So the audience probably wants to know what's the number one played video, and what's the number one played pinball, according to Jay. Yeah. Uh, so and these would be the games that if you remove them. Your head would probably be on a stick out front. <laughs> right, yeah, right. What'd you get rid of that for? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a good question. So, and it varies with 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 the demographic. I'll tell you, right. So, um, certainly, you, you you have your your classic, I'll call them table stakes. You know, Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, Frogger. You have to have those. Sure. Those are going to get played no matter what, right? And if I didn't have those, people would yell at me and say, "Well, don't you? How do you call yourself a classic arcade and not right. have those games? Like, you have to have those, right?" Um, so those are games that will always be there. You know, there's probably like 10, right? And I could list them all here, but I think you know what they are. You oh, know, yeah. the Donkey Kongs, the, the you know, the Pac-Mans and, and Miss Pac-Mans and, and, and Froggers and so forth, right? After that, uh, oh, and then the pinball side of it, right? So what are the pins, uh, you know, that get played the most? Well, I have, I call it like my A-list, you know, kind of classic title up front when you first walk in. If you're familiar with Providence, Dave, I know you've been there. Yes. You know, I've got like seven or eight A-list games up front when yep. you first walk in. That's mm -hmm. Attack from Mars and Adam's Family. Uh, used to be Medieval Madness. Um, but, you know, I rotate those out every now and then. So uh, Theater of Magic, you know, Monster Bash, like Elvira, Scared Stiff. 
those are like my, you know, Bally Williams A-list right up front as soon as you walk in. And then you get into the back and you have like, you know, some of the B and C list, uh, you know, Terminator 2 and, you know, Funhouse and, you know, NBA Fast Break, that kind of stuff. All the way down to like Sorcerer, Pinbot, you know, stuff from the early 80s. Um, but, you know, in terms of what gets played the most for pins, you know, Adam's Family, Attack from Mars, Theater of Magic, you know, when I had Medieval Madness there, that was probably the, the number one. For some reason, everybody knows that game. Uh, in the hobby or, oh, yeah. or even if you're not in the hobby right um, so those are the pins that it took me a while to acquire those because everybody knows those are expensive oh, yeah, A-list are. titles yep. you know classic you know from that era um, and I didn't have those when I first started I had like a pin bot and I had like a sorcerer you know <laughs> it was like alright I have some pins but I don't have like the desirable pins right you know? Right. Um, and, and I still have those pins they're just moved into the back you know area of free play in the corner and they still get played because you know there's people that come in and they're older you know maybe they're in their 50s or 60s because that's what they had in the arcade sure. when they grew up and they want to play those games and, right and they don't care that you know medieval madness is you know the best pin ever in that era and the dmd and all that stuff they multi-ball they're like i want to play pinbot you have that yeah it's in the back yeah way in the corner but right <laughs> so, well you know, you're you're kind of describing the audience in front of you right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, no. And, and I'm not sure that you know this about Dave or me. Do you know what we collect? I'm guessing it's probably a lot of that, what I'll call earlier era, you know, 80s kind of classic. We uh, go back even further. Even further, maybe 70s. We're Bali. Tell me about EM. <laughs> no, no, I got a couple. Dave does. I don't. Early, so, I don't early solid state is kind of where we're at. Right. Okay. So, right. Bally and Stern solid state games from mid-70s to early 80s. Okay. And that begs the question, and I always ask a hard one. Yeah. How come you don't have one of those in your collection? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, I... He hasn't been to my place, that's why. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't and, seen your question. And you need to come over. I definitely need to come <laughs> check it out. Um, look, I'm not opposed to adding something from that time sure. frame of that era. You would have to tell me, look, if you're going to add something from that era, this is the one to get. Right. You know, like, because I'm going to limit it to you're one. You're not going to get a whole bank. Exactly. You're gonna get, right. I'm going to have one. Right. And, and, uh, and I'll, I'll do it. I mean, because yeah. there's, look, like I said, our demographic is very wide. You know, we go from the early 20s to 50s and 60s. And, sure. you know... I have I have some vins that are vintage like that that you know nobody else will play. There's only a few of them, but you know because there's customers that come in and say, "Yeah, I want to come here to play that game. I remember playing that game." You know? But you do have a firepower though. We do. We and have that, a firepower two. Oh, two. Okay. Yeah, so that's firepower two. Okay. Sorcerer Pinbot. Okay. Uh, I had a Gorgar in there. Okay. Those are probably my oldest pins. Yep. But uh, you know, if you tell me, hey Jay, there's one from this era that you must have. Yep. You know. I'm I'll, sure I'll can, think of that. You can I'll find I'll, a home for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll think right. of that for you. Good. We'll have to talk after this. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. So compare and contrast, Jay. You stated earlier that you learned quite a bit from your first location yeah. in Providence. What did you learn, and what differences did it make in opening your new location? Sure. Yeah, great question. Um, so when I first opened Providence, I had as I was talking about earlier, mostly early 80s classic arcade games. I had all the heavy hitters, you know, that we talked about earlier, but I had a lot of rare stuff that nobody else had, but I collected because that was, as a hobbyist, you know, what I enjoyed. You know, I, I love the treasure hunt, going after those crazy rare games they only made 500 of, sure. you know, Atari or Valley, whoever made it. And that's what, there was a lot of that in free play when we first opened. And I looked and I said, 
Nobody's playing these games. Like those are the hardcore video game yeah. guys that wanted that. Right. But and your general audience that's right. lost on them, right? Right. And and yeah. our general audience is ninety nine percent not collectors right. or hobbyists. They are just everyday people that are, that are like coming in and like, well, I don't remember this game from when I went to the arcade. Or I never played. I never even heard of this game. What is this game like? Those games just weren't getting played. Right. Uh, and, and that's when I realized that I, I looked around. And I'm like, well, this this person's from you know they're like ten years younger than me. They grew up with Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Crazy Taxi, and you know whatever Daytona USA, sure. you know stuff that I really didn't play because I was too old and I moved on to the arcades from the arcades at that point. And, and I realized I'm like I, I have to go get those. Like those are games I must have. Yeah, right, you know yeah. like what what were the popular games from that you know mid to late '90s that I'm missing? It was it was X Men. It was Simpsons, it was Turtles, you know, uh, it was, um, you know, looking around here, like Arctic Thunder and Crazy Taxi, and and, uh, and then, if you can believe this, Golden Tee and, wow. and Silver Strike Bowling, okay. you know, later 90s, yeah. early 2000s, there's people that maybe just went to bars and Golden Tee and Silver oh, Strike everywhere. Bowling Every, were like, that bars. was a big book hunter? Not yet, but I've had a lot of requests for it. Yep. But but again, and, and that came even later, right? I mean, so Golden Tee and, and Bowling were like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, yep. Buck Hunter came a little bit later. But I get requests for that game and it's like, look, you know, there's people that never went to arcades but went to a bar and there was a Golden Tee in the corner or there was a Bowling in the corner and they're like, hey, I'd play here all night if you had a Golden Tee set to free. And, and I put one in, and sure enough, that happened. I mean, I'm telling you, there would be a group of four and guys. Not, and they're not crazy money either. No. Because and it Buck Hunter, makes... the same thing. It's kind of come and gone. Yeah. And a lot of those cabinets, it's not too apparent in this location. Yeah. But some of these cabinets are gigantic. They're, they're huge. And it's not for something you would put in a home. No. Unless you have... A football field right. size right. basement, or and a whole bunch of heavy lifting things. Right. Yeah, I mean, you want some big guys. You need some big guys. Yeah. These games are like three, four hundred pounds. I mean, they're some of the heaviest arcade games I've moved. And uh, but you know, the second I put one in free play, those games would just get played all night. Like you know, you get a group of guys that have a few beers, and they would just sit there and they're like, "This is great! I can play this all night. It's free!" And 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 they would just keep doing that. And I learned I could put that game anywhere. Right. I could put it in the darkest corner yeah. where I didn't think anybody would find it, and they would find, find it. it. They would it's, find yep. it. You know. And so you have to have, you know, the Golden Tee, the Silver Strike Bowling, you know, and, and even like you said, the Big Buck Hunter is one that I get a lot of requests for that I that I recently acquired that I'm thinking about putting into free play, but I haven't done it yet. So you ever think about getting a Shuffle Alley? Or one of those butcher block things like oh, the, uh, that you shuffle puck thing with yeah. all the sand on it. Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Yeah. yeah, it's funny you, you should mention that, Dave, because I think we were talking earlier about like a, a, a bulk buy that was in New York, right? And part of that deal was a shuffle alley or shuffleboard that in the past I've had no interest in. I've had so That's many people. That's a lot people, of fun. So it's many fun. people have asked I love me for that. that. Especially if you have a bar, which yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It becomes a competition. Exactly. So, so you're saying a, a Shuffle Alley electronic version? Is yeah. Or non-electronic? No, an electronic Williams okay. Shuffle Alley. Or oh, it's, it's uh, Alley Cats or what, what it's called. It's called something. Williams this one's made called it. Tic Tac Strike. Okay. And it's very similar to Oh, you're to talking all the a Shuffle ones. Bowler. Shuffle. No, we're talking a Shuffle Alley, which is like your bar top here. Mm. Where you take that's a butcher, that's a butcher block one, right? But that's where that's, you take a yeah, it's a, puck, a metal puck, yeah. Right. yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking. Not like yeah. no, but that's oh okay. Well, I think yeah. you know what I'm talking. The about. shuffle bowler is with the bowling ball. Well, like they that also one? made them with pucks. Yeah, yeah. So I think you when could play what's the one tic tac not tic tac strike uh, when it would the, go the, the across turkey the market. across. 
when yeah. it would go across oh, the marquee yeah. and you tried to hit it in the middle right. because that was the well, what's the thing is basically he, he, he's you you have an electronic version like a 90 no that existed no it's a 90s williams one that you had yeah the thing. they made a couple of different iterations yes. of it correct the other one is the non-electronics butcher block whatever right. big oh, thing yeah, yeah. but actually people actually buy those for their homes and those yeah. are awesome too and they yeah, don't yeah. take no electricity which is nice yeah yeah i've seen you know. Some of the ones from the 50s that predate the Williams ones okay. that, that are electronic, but they're all... Oh, the rolling numbers. They're all, the yeah, they're all EM. Yeah, that, that's going to no, be yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so I don't have that. Yeah. But I do have the Williams one, that's which a good one. I, I really recently learned that it's the same hardware. Same hardware as those, those games. System yeah. 11 games. I opened exactly. it up and I'm like, this is a System 11. Yeah. Mike Pinball. So no here. worries there. Yeah, it, yeah. it was easy. And, um, and so now I, I, I added one of those into prominence, but just like Pinball... Uh, it's got all those, you know, leaf switches, yes. and, and I have to go through and, and pretty much uh, just clean them all and get them all 100% before yep. I can turn it on. But it is there in Providence, and so one of the reasons why I didn't add it initially was those things take up space. I mean, they do. They're like Big 10 footprint. feet long. Yep. So, um, look, I don't have a ton of space, uh, even though, you know, it may sure. seem like it in here, right? But for, for something like that, you yep. have to find a home for it. Right. It's not something you just go put it in the lineup with all the other games. Because that's, like like, that's like three or four games, correct? Space, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and you need an area... That like people can crowd around and yeah. play it because, yep. you, like you said, you usually get a group of people. Takes up a big footprint. Takes up a big right. space, yep. and so I found a place in Providence for it, and next to our skee ball machines, and that's where it's right now. It's sitting there, it's ready to go, and I had to do some modifications to get it to do free play and all that stuff. Um, but it's working, and I just need to adjust those sensors, um, and we should be good to go. So we'll see how it goes. People, it's actually been off for like a few weeks now as I as I get around to maintaining it and tuning it. People have tried playing it. Like they're even with the power off, they went and plugged it in. Wow! Like somebody wow. found the power cord. I, bet. I haven't seen one of these forever. And, yeah. they oh yeah, like, yeah. I used to play this all the time. And whatever. And so, um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna get it working really soon. You have to come down and check it out. I'll give you a trick on it. You, you might know this already, but in case you don't, uh, those leaf switches for all these games—they're basically gold contacts. Yeah. And it's very easy to clean them with this uh, stuff called Brasso. Oh, okay. You get, you get it from any uh, grocery store, okay. you know, to clean silverware or whatever. Sure. You put a little bit of that on there, and it gets the gold right back to shininess again oh, okay. without using a credit card and all that stuff, and it works Oh, good phenomenal. to know. Yeah. I've used the Brasso, believe it or not, on Tapper. Tapper has a lot of the brass on the, the foot uh, you know, rail oh, there yeah. and also okay. the side yep. the drink holders, and that stuff just makes it look like brand new again. Yep. It's great. Shines it up nice. Yeah. Now, when we started this, George said he wasn't going to do much talking. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, <laughs> I have Just my joking. I have my list. No, no, it's great. No, I'm happy to answer. I uh, listened to quite a few different pinball podcasts, and there was one I listened to in the last day. It's called Off the Record. And they had this op on. His name is Bob Burnham. He owns a, an operator business called Paradise Pinball, and then he owns an arcade in Cheyenne, Wyoming called Flipper's Arcade. Hmm. And the reason I bring this up is he made mention of what happened back in March and that Massachusetts and Colorado finally got around to opening arcades in this state. Yeah. And his statement was they were getting sued by operators and people who own family entertainment centers because the casinos are open, their demographic is much higher, yet the arcades weren't allowed to open. Has that affected the opening of your business here? And what impact has it had? Yeah, great question, George. Um, that That is true, 100%. Massachusetts, 
up until recently, uh, was not allowing arcades to open, um, but casinos were allowed to open. And there was kind of a bait and switch in when it all happened. Arcades were in, in Massachusetts were uh, on the schedule to open up in phase three, along with casinos. And last minute, the announcement came out the day of, or, or, or maybe the day before, that arcades were moving to phase four, which is a vaccine, right? Uh, but casinos were still permitted to open in phase three. And arcade operators uh, like myself were just up in arms. We, we could not it. believe it. How could casinos, which essentially are almost the same thing, older demographic typically, same buttons and, and you know things that you press just like an arcade, how is it that they can open? I think we all know the answer. I know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, me, me. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Would it be tax dollars? Maybe, maybe tax dollars. <laughs> it might have something to do with maybe, that. Maybe uh, donate campaign donations. It could be that too. Could that be any definitely, of that. yeah. Um, so it took basically one of the, one of uh, our competitors of, to free play in, in Massachusetts to file a lawsuit against the awesome. governor in the state oh, of Massachusetts. Oh, I did read about that. Yeah. Up in Salisbury? Is that the person? Uh, it was... Um, Joe's is Arcade? It, it was in, well, Joe's Arcade was affected, but it was in Salem. It was a place called BitBar. Oh, BitBar, um, yeah, I heard Bitbar of that Bitbar Arcade yep. uh, is the one that filed the lawsuit. And I would say within five days, uh, the governor came out and said arcades are allowed to open. Sweet. So it was a very swift yep. kind of turn of events. And But let's face it, I think the state knew that they were in a corner... Oh, yeah. You know, if you can allow casinos to open. And, exactly. and that was the argument that the lawsuit basically brought against the state was casinos are essentially the same, same thing, thing. Uh, yeah. as arcades. So you, you cannot allow them to open, but not arcades. And arcades open. are more fun. So Way more go. fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you lose less money. Oh, yeah. You lose and, less money. And, exactly. they were, and I'll put my two cents in. They were a little late because we have lost some barcades yeah. and arcades in the state. So. Right. It's nice to see that you're on the beginning of a new venture here. Folks, this is a beautiful place. You, it's a bargain. It, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. We, I mean, even going I, out I to look a, at what I see from other vendors, come out and support this person as soon as the doors open. It's a, it's, Trust me, you're going to have a lot of fun here. There is more to do. I could spend hours here. And I'm not even a video guy. I could spend hours here. <laughs> when, once, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, for your entertainment dollar, I mean, if you even go to a movie, it's like 15 bucks plus the $10 bucket of popcorn or whatever. Yeah. You know, and the $10 bag of, I don't know, M&Ms, you know, versus coming here for like 5 or 10 bucks and... And we have a bar, too. And you get a bar. We have a bar. Yeah, and your bar. What, what about, so craft brew stuff, do you get any? Yeah, more? so we have a lot of, we, we try to go with the local craft, you know, beer scene as much as possible. So in Providence, we have a lot of, of, of the local, you know, uh, Rhode Island kind of craft uh, beer. Um, and we'll do the same here in Worcester, right? So we're going to go after, you know, the Wormtowns and the local, Ooh, you know, guys. Wormtown, my fave. Which is right down the street, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally like two miles from here. So They can, just um, pipe, they can pipe it right here, put a fresh yeah, pipe in and I just know, pipe right? it direct. <laughs> uh, so we're going to try to, you know, stick with that. And, and uh, obviously we have a full bar, um, you know, lots of different uh, cocktails and, and the craft beer specialty. So I think in Providence we offer over 50 beers. Um, wow. We'll try to wow. do the same here. So Great. Um, but, yeah, so you have, a, you know, the bar come out. You have some pizza. And then, you know, we, we talked a lot about the vids and, and the pins. Um, the, the pins, you know, if you think about it, if you come on a weeknight, it's $5. I mean, where can you go and spend $5 on pinball? It doesn't go far when you're putting money into it. Put money in, forget right. it. You'll Especially be Especially if you play like me. Right. That, that's what I mean, right? So, I mean, yeah. most pins today are at least a dollar. Oh, you know my exactly. pins. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, even if they were 50 cents, I mean, you can get 10 games, you know, out of it and you're done. Right. And you can spend hours, and I've, and I've seen it, you know, there are pinball players that come in and spend hours, you know, yeah. and they'll play every pin in the place. Uh, and, and they're like, this is a bargain. You know, I can't believe it, you know. So I think it's, and we try to keep it that way. You know, my business partner and I look and we say, first and foremost, we want it to be a value, right? We yes. want it to be a value to the customer. So they come in and they come back and they have a good time, you know, and enjoy themselves. For me, you know, on the video game and the, and the arcade side of it, it's make sure the games are working to the highest standard. You know, make sure, you know, test those buttons, test those joysticks, test those flippers. Sure. You know, make sure the games are maintained to the highest level so, you know, the customers come and they feel like they enjoy themselves. So, so that's a good question. Though. How do you go about, because it's hard for you, I'm sure, to play every single thing to find yeah. every... So do you have like a... Do the customers ever leave like, hey, so-and-so is out? Or you, do they leave you a little note? Or how does that work? Yeah, a suggestion feedback. box. Suggestion or, box or feedback or a, thing. Or hey, this game doesn't work box. We do. So we do get that. You know, I've thought about putting a little like suggestion box on the wall. I haven't done that yet. Um, but we do have customers that will leave us notes or, or you know, leave notes with, with the staff. But um, I have a dedicated person in Providence that their job every um Every, twice a week is to go through every game, test every button, test every joystick, test every flipper, um, and make sure, and then compile a list. And then on a weekly basis, we attack that list. And, yeah. and you know, there's, there's a group of us that go every Tuesday night in Providence, uh, and we'll do the same here in Worcester once we open, uh, and, and attack everything, you know, that's on the list. And if there's a game that has some serious problems, whether it's vids or pins, uh, you know, we pull it. And with the pins... You know, we have a shop cycle that we, we go through and we say, okay, it's time for this game to get shopped out. Pretty much one a month has to leave. Right. And there's a, you know, small reserve inventory where another game gets moved in, it's been shopped, and we replace it. Uh, and when that game is shopped, it gets, you know, cycled back through. And we, we try to keep it fresh. I think, George, you hinted on that earlier. You know, I have a, a you know, a, a large, you know, video game kind of, um, you know, overflow inventory that I, I'm able to swap out. You know, vids often enough where they're not getting played, or I want to have some variety, and you know, I bring the games back later if they were popular. Uh, with pins, I have a very small overflow. You know, just a handful of games that I can swap pins in and rotate, and um, you know, in and out. Um, my goal is between Providence and Worcester is to shut is to is to rotate the inventory between the two locations. Yeah, great idea. Um, you know, to keep it fresh. You know, in each location as much as possible. So, any plans to get, or do you have a ripoff? I have two ripoffs. Oh, believe it or not. I love that yeah. game. Cinematronics Vector. Yep. Uh, another hard game to keep running. You know, we talked about vids earlier yeah. and, and how easy they are to keep running. Yes. There are certain vids, the Vector games, um, that are not so easy to keep running, and Ripoff is one of those. Oh boy. Not so easy to keep running. Okay. Um, other games like Star Wars, Tempest, Black Widow. Those are all classic Atari Vector games. I limit how many of those I have here because uh, they are hard to keep running. Yep. But um, but I will I will try to get a ripoff into the lineup for you. Cool. So you know you can come and enjoy it. Because so. uh, same people made ripoff. They also Star made Castle, Star Castle, another Armor one. Attack. Yep. Uh, Solar Quest. Um, there's uh, Speed Freak. Speed Freak was uh, early on. I think that was Vector Beam. So Vector Beam Vector. became Cinematronics, okay. and then that became Leland. So yeah, there's there's kind of a you know a, a line of heritage there, uh, and I think Speed Freak was was early or early on. Early on, yeah. I remember playing it in Funny Games years ago. I remember you go buy a, little, a cow to go mm -hmm. move. Yeah, yeah, that was classic uh, <laughs> vector at the time, yep. black and white. Um, but I don't have a Speed Freak yet, but I'd love to own one of those because there's that's one of those rare classic games I was talking about earlier that yep. maybe you remembered. I But play if I put that in an arcade, <laughs> you and I would be the only two guys would play. Okay. It. Everybody else would look at it and say, "Oh my god, that thing's ancient, black and white." How about the uh, the other old school one? I think it's from the early '70s. Uh, it's like it has a, almost like a, a green 
uh, miler over it. It's a racing game, and, and um, the, the car goes up the screen kind of thing. Really old school, back and almost like Spy Hunter, mm. but figure early, very early Spy Hunter kind of game. And I don't remember the name of the games. They're funny games two years ago. Big steering wheel. Yeah, and, there's a few of those. And that, green that, kind of graphics on uh, it, all green. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was, it was like one that was like a Datsun or something it was called. Oh, Datsun 280Z Zap. 280Z Zap. It was yep. that one. There was another one. That had, yeah, like a filter on it. Yeah, that, a green that, filter. A green filter. I can't remember the name right now, but yeah, those are, what, probably 70s? Like 70s, yeah, yeah, 75, yeah. early on. So probably the, really tough to keep running, I would definitely, think. Definitely yeah. uh, tougher to keep running. The only games I had from the 70s, believe it, I have two of them. Asteroids, 1979, okay. one of those must-have. Yep. And then uh, Space Invaders, also 1979 uh, for vids. That's the oldest I go. Right, that's know. about right. Those, those two are iconic, and people love those right. games from way back when. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. I have another business question. Sure. One of many. <laughs> do you do corporate events? We do. Uh, we've, we, in Providence, uh, we've had uh, a number of corporate events that uh, we host, uh, private events. Um, a lot of times we'll do them before we open. A lot of times we'll do office parties or other corporate team building events. Um, there's a one night a week that we're closed during the week. A lot of times we'll use that night for a corporate event kind of um, you know, uh, and here in Worcester, we have the we have the luxury of having a separate area. That so, if somebody wanted to have a corporate event on a Friday or Saturday, we can actually give them that area. Uh, kind of give you guys a tour of that earlier down mm. down below. Um, so you can have your corporate event in there, whether it's you know food or drinks or whatever you're going to do, and then you can come into the arcade, you know, as well, you know, and, and kind of go in and out. In Providence, we don't have that large of an area uh, to dedicate to. That's why we have to do them on off nights or, or before we open. So this is a bigger footprint than Providence. Yeah, combined with you know the back area and the arcade area in the front, it is a it is a bigger footprint. And it's all one level, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so your projected opening for this at this point, do you have like a projected? Uh... Yeah, we're hoping to open uh, in the next several weeks. Um, we're just waiting for our final building permit to. Um, you know, get uh, issued, and then we're hoping we can open. We're still on the fence if we want to open um, with the holidays coming November. You know, we're getting into November and right. December, um, you know, and we're, we're still deciding if we're just going to wait to the new year to start fresh and, and or if we should try to open during the holidays So, and the pandemic, right? So we're still on the fence uh, as to exactly when, but it's going to be soon. Because I guess you could always use more time to get everything T's and I's dotted across yeah. the more time the better instead of like ru a rushing to them if you're not quite all well we go. were ready to go I mean, we didn't talk about this too much but we were ready to go back in March I mean we were supposed to open the end of March and uh, you know the pandemic hit so we we didn't know how long that was going to take but uh, you know the video games and everything the bar this has all been set up if you can believe it uh, since March mm, uh, I wow. mean I've been coming in and fine tuning yeah. you know the games and, and double checking everything and but you know, it's like we could literally open next week if we had our permit in hand and we decided to open. So, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, um, you know, do we want to focus our, our energy on Providence right now, and especially with everything that's going on, um, or do we want to try to, you know, start Worcester uh, during the pandemic and the holiday season, or, or just, you know, wait? Well, because right now you're actually you're you're paying the rent and whatever for this place anyway at this Correct. point. So you may want to, you know, that's why you probably want to open to kind of offset that. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, and you know, 
Providence is established and, and has been there for years and, and has a you know, loyal customer base. Worcester's kind of a new, new we've, we've never opened this location. Right, right. Uh, we're anxious to open it, but it's just the timing right now it might be a little difficult. So how about you're going to do the same kind of thing, the flyers, and get the, the people know about this, it's here yet, or do you have to do a big marketing Yeah, blitz? no, I think the word is out. I mean, so the, we've been here, believe it or not, uh, last October is when we actually uh, moved into this building and started doing renovations. Okay. The sign has been up since probably... Ask, okay, the sign sign's, been, sign's been up since probably right, January. So everybody drives okay. by, oh, they yeah. see it, they come by. Do people, so, people knock banging on the door, let me in kind of thing? We get so many emails <laughs> and, and social media messages saying, hey, Worcester, when are you opening? When's Worcester opening? Even people in Providence say, I drove down to Worcester, from Worcester wow. to Providence to see what this place was all about yeah. because we can't wait for the Worcester location to open. When are you guys going to open Worcester? Um, so I would say the advertising is is probably we'll do a little bit of the fire stuff and, and you know boots on the ground kind of sure. thing go around all the local places and, and put it up. It's going to be a huge social media blitz. You know, uh, I learned a lot uh, about social I media. I want to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Other than your website, give us the website. How else can yeah. people stay in touch with sure. your business? I'm guessing you use some of the social media sites. Can right. you get on a list so when you do finally open, yeah. you're going to do a push and say. Here's the grand opening. Here's the day, time. Here's what we plan Absolutely. on doing. Absolutely, yes. Thanks for bringing that up, George. So uh, our website is freeplaybar.com. Um, and on that, you'll find uh, you know some information about both locations. You'll find the game list, uh, directions, and all that. Um, our social media, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, same thing, freeplaybar. Uh, just freeplaybar, and you'll find us. Um, so, yes, you can go to our website, and we'll have the announcement there for when Worcester's going to be opening. We'll make sure we, we pre-announce it so you won't miss it. You know, we'll tell you this is going to be the date that we're opening. Uh, same thing on the social media sites, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Google. Uh, I mean, you can pretty much find us uh, across the board just about everywhere. But make sure that all that information for the Worcester location when, it, when the grand opening is going to be will be out there well in advance. So if you guys want to check out any of those sites, uh, you, you'll find the information there. Cool. Cool. Well, we can certainly come back to you. We're gonna. This will be published sometime in the month of October. Okay. And if you decide that you're going to wait a little bit, we can always revisit and do a little tease. Yeah. To announce yeah, that sure. you're coming on a certain date. Yeah. Because we can do that by phone and sure. hook you up real quick, or we can come down and sneak a peek before you. Maybe open the doors we again. can have a pre-opening and. and a Given you guys are such avid pinball players, and I'm sitting at this bar and I'm a little bartender. Bartender. I'm a little dry. I figured you guys can maybe play test all the pins and tell sure. me everything that's broke or you know sure. how off and not level they are and all that fun stuff, and, and we can tune them before we have the the, the, the true reveal. Right? Cool. The cool. Opening, so. That yeah. sounds great. Is there anything, Jay, that Dave or I didn't ask you that we should have asked you? Or anything else that you want to tell our audience I, before we go? You have another well, question? I have another question. Yeah, sure. Of course you do. Yes, of course. So, uh, have you ever thought or have you ever done tur like our, uh, tournaments oh, here, either you. video yeah. tournaments or pinball tournaments? Uh, yes and no. So, um, and, and this is a great question I was going to ask you guys about the, the pinball tournament side of it, right? Because um, New England obviously has a large contingent of pinball players, mm -hmm. um, a lot of competitive pinball players. There's the NEPL, right? Um, sure. All throughout New England. Um, so I have not done pinball tournaments yet in the Providence location. I have done some video game tournaments. Um, believe it or not, DDR, Dance Dance Revolution, very competitive. Mm. Um, so we've done a number of air hockey and Dance Dance Revolution uh, tournaments. I've gotten requests to do skee-ball tournaments uh, and certainly requests to do pinball tournaments. Uh, 
in Providence, there was already a, a few locations I think that already had NEPL and other various you know pinball leagues going on, and you know I didn't want to you know infringe on any on any of the other locations, and so we, we never really got into doing any type of tournaments in Providence. Uh, in Worcester, it's a different story, right? Um, so I'd like to you know look at you guys and say, you know, how, what's the best way to do it? I'll tell you in Providence. Uh, they did have some requests, and, and basically they were looking for somebody to come down and be, you know, whether it's a referee or whoever it is, or the, 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 the scorekeeper. And I'm tournament like, director. Tournament director. Yeah. And I said, look, guys, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Right. I'm like, I, I have to run the arcade and the business. I run, really, Jay. Run. Yeah. yeah exactly. run. <laughs> run. And I really didn't want your, to do it. Your right. plate is full. Yeah. Exactly. Run. That is so, a full-time job yeah, to begin with. That's what I figured. And, and honestly, I don't. I'm not ever going to say I know enough about pinball to obviously even be in that position. So it, it has to be somebody else. And, uh, sure. So, um, so yeah, if it was to ever happen here in Worcester, um, you know, we'd have to have somebody like that to kind of manage everything, come down on a weekly basis, however, however often the tournament runs, right. to, to kind of manage all that and without me being around. Sure. I have to bounce between Providence and Worcester. So. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, the one question I have for you guys is, you know, you guys know how this operates, right? I have it's a free play admission. You come in, you pay, and then you get to play all the games. In a typical tournament, you know how many games are you know in the tournament? You know how many pinball games are being used at one time? How would that affect my other customers that you know maybe coming into play and now those games are not off limits, but they're being consumed by the tournament? Yeah, they probably they probably would be off limits. So okay. if you're going to do a real bona fide tournament, it would be you know. These games are roped off for right. these, you know, and let's say at, at least at least six games, six to ten games. Oh, really? That many? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. And that's a weekly? I would say more like not a weekly thing. I'd say okay. that, so that's more like a league play. Okay. I'm saying more like a tournament thing. This is like maybe like once a quarter, once oh, a year. Okay. Do a one-timer and see, see how, how it goes. goes. Right. Okay. Limit it. Make it so that there's high demand. Yeah. Don't make it an open as many people. Yeah, no, right, right. twenty-four people, sixteen, whatever. And, and, a, and a pretty good. Again, you know, we can't predict what the future is, but right, right. just humor me for a yeah, minute. Yeah, sure. Keep it limited so that there's a want. I got to get in this tournament because there are plenty of people in this area. But I'll take it one step further. What a lot of people do, and it really depends when you open. Dave works with a show that is going to be nearby. A lot of show, a lot of barcades attach themselves to the show the night or two before, mm. in order as a warm-up oh, type of exercise sure. before the main tournament starts at the show. Mm. Understood. You might find that that might be a great way to get exposure, not only to people in town, yeah. but people that are coming from out of town because they're staying the night ahead. They're staying so they well, get they're a jump for start. multiple right, days. Right. And you know, I'll mention Jeff. Teolis again. He's a broadcaster out of Toronto. He's a big pinhead. He's a top 50 tournament player. Wow. He did a world tour where he went to different bars and barcades around the country and internationally. And a lot of times he was attaching himself, like I said, to a show and doing an event the day before oh, or okay. the night before. Yeah. And hmm. he limited it. He put it out on a website, right. you know, Everbright or one of the sites. And you're in or you're out. Right. Limited. And yeah. That's what I would recommend. Okay. Dip your toe in the water. Yeah, yeah. Weekly thing, yeah, I'll turn to point. my 
counterpart over here. He managed the league. He I no did. longer does. Yep. It's a long story, but he doesn't do it anymore. I don't do it anymore. It was a great five-year run. I did it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but I learned a lot, and but it, right. it, it, it uh, ran its courses, done, and I moved on to other things. Basically, okay. I got more into my business, and I'm, sure. you know, so that kind of gig. But it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, but what I was actually talking to George about this too is is you know and approaching you you know down the road or whatever. But it'd be kind of cool to do like a, a one-off thing and to do like a, say I don't know if you'd be opposed to this. Say George and I brought uh, a bank of classic pins, mm. pins you don't usually have here. And say that would be for uh, for a, a one day or a weekend yeah. turn, whatever it was. You have a bank of them here, um, and it would be it would be a draw because you don't really find a classic tournament around. The only time you see like a classic tournament like that is maybe at Pintastic, um, with the, the bigger the, shows. The, yeah, the bigger right, shows. Right. The guys down in, in Connecticut bring up their games yeah. and so forth. So something like that. But we even have you know older school stuff. So. And um, you know, I'm just throwing an idea out there. I don't yeah. know exactly how it would run, sure. but it's like uh, an idea. I, w- I wouldn't mind exploring it someday. Yeah. It'd be a great venue to do it at. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have we have plenty of space uh, that's not being utilized that we could, you know, depending on how many games we wanted to bring in. Yeah. Either we move a few vids out. Well, again, temporarily, it's off hours. I don't know what time you'll open on a Saturday. It yeah. Could, it could be off but hours if too. If it's yeah. five o'clock, yeah. you could start a sh- you could start a tournament at ten o'clock in the yeah, morning. Sure. With the idea that yeah, we're going to try to make it so that it ends at 5 o'clock right. and it doesn't impact your yeah, yeah. business. Absolutely. There's lots of ways to do it, but I certainly would stay away. Me personally, I would not get into the weekly thing at first. Yeah, yeah no. the interest. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of Dave work. Dave knows yeah. as a tournament director, even doing a one-off, and Dave does a lot of stuff at his house for you know small groups of people, Right. it still is work. Yeah. Oh no, I know. I, I mean, I, I'm I, preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's a lot of work just you, getting you up to. You throw a tournament then, every day of the week. It just yeah, doesn't have yeah. trophies yeah. with it. No, no. I mean, once a year, once a quarter, something like that. Yeah. I think it's totally doable. And yeah. then you know, if you, we can talk later about sure. you know, how we can do something with some of the old and you know, uh, pins to, to go with you know some of my less old pins. Yeah, have, right. You know, sure. So. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities. There's lots of opportunity. Lots of options. And especially now with. You know, other arcades not being open any longer, it certainly limits the places where people can go yeah. play competitive pinball. Even here in Massachusetts, I know there's been a handful of places that have closed down. Well, yeah. Flat Top Johnny's right. down in Cambridge. Yeah. yeah, you've got Mystic Arcade, which I thought was kind of interesting that they. Well, that's, that's that's close too, huh? Yeah. Well, wow. you, you know him, right? Or met him? Yeah. Doesn't he own the storefront? He owned multiple yeah. storefronts in that building. Yeah, that's what. What town is that out in? Uh, Greenfield. Uh, yeah, Greenfield. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard of that Mystic Pinball, um, but I've never been there because it is kind of Massachusetts. Well, right? they're few but, and far yeah. between. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And to go back, and and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, guys, but it is very inexpensive to come here. If I look at some of the others, and I don't know if you track other businesses in other states. When I saw five dollars, I thought it was an hour. That's yeah. unlimited. Because you're you're very competitively priced compared to yeah. other. There venues are places like that charge yeah. twenty dollars for an hour of pinball. Yeah, and that might be their only business because they don't have a bar or other other yeah. things that yeah. support. Yeah, the I, business. I think I think you hit it right on the head there, George. So like. Um, it is inexpensive, and, and I do see a lot of other places that offer $5 for an hour or $10 for two hours or whatever it is, and then all the way up to 15 or $20 if you want to go in and out for the day, kind right. of like what we do. Yeah. 
But, you know, we want to make sure that coming to free play um, isn't too expensive if you just want to come play a game and have a beer. You right. know what I'm saying? So yeah, so you can leave it, if you want to. It's a quick, short money. Correct, yeah. yeah. So if you wanted to come here on a weeknight and it was $10 and you just wanted to grab a drink or two and, and, and maybe play a game, and it's right. like, well, am I going to spend $10 just right. to walk in the place right. to drink a beer? For and five bucks, you can make that back exactly, in a half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Because for a nice and beer, you're going to pay like more than... Me, it's 15 minutes. You're going to pay yeah. more than five bucks for a nice beer anyway. Yeah, you know, we yeah, did, we did before we came. Yeah, and and we talk about uh, ten dollars on the weekend. So ten dollars we didn't talk about in Providence. You guys have been uh, before the pandemic. We had the Rewind uh, Dance Club upstairs. Yes. So that plays, you know, eighties and nineties kind of cl- yeah, uh, great you know, stuff too. All yeah. the all those smoke machines and the lights, right, the fog machines, the laser lights, great all that stuff. stuff. So that ten dollars gets you not only admission into free play with all one hundred and fifty video games and pins and everything else. But it also gets you entrance into Rewind, which is the the dance club that plays the '80s and '90s music. So, the same thing will happen here in Worcester. You know, Has once that the time club is right. been impacted by what's going on? Yeah. So in Providence, we we cannot open Rhode Island. You cannot open any dance club. Same thing in Massachusetts, or, or you know, bars even in Massachusetts. Mm. It's even worse. So uh, unfortunately, our, our the dance club is not open yet. Jay, I also want to talk about your vision for the future here. I think you have a great idea for an out, outdoor venue you are yeah, talking about. Tell, yeah. us, tell us about that. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, so, you know, you guys are sitting in what I'll call phase one of free play, right? So, um, you know, we have big plans for the expansion of free play, and this building that we're in allows us uh, some, some great future opportunities. So um, phase two, uh, which we hope to have ready sometime next year, will be our outdoor patio. So we have this great courtyard that's uh, adjacent to free play um, that we have permission from our landlord to basically expand into and create an outdoor patio, which is huge for downtown Worcester. There's not too many places that you can go and sit outdoors, um, you know, have some beers, we'll have a bar out there, uh, and, and hopefully we'll have uh, some live, live entertainment in the future as well. So um, that's all hopefully ready for next summer. If all this, you know, pandemic stuff is over. Sure. Um, so that's uh, phase two. And then phase three, which um, may come uh, end of next year or, or maybe into 2022, if you can believe that, uh, would be our expansion into our, our nightclub like we have in Providence, our Rewind Retro Dance Club. Uh, we hope to offer here uh, in Providence. I'm uh, sorry, it's the same in Providence here in Worcester. Um, and I'd love to pick your brain later on about, you know, some future, you know, expansion possibilities we talked about. Uh yeah, VIP pinball, you know, yeah. so it doesn't make sense to have some of the newer pins at free play, but they're they're pay for play. You know, you sure. still get access to all the great pins that we have for the unbelievable, you know, $5 value or $10 on the weekends. Right. But if you're somebody that really enjoys playing the new pins, uh, loves the Stearns or the Jersey Jack stuff, um, you know, maybe we have a group of you know, I, I, five of those that you can pay to play. I, I love the idea of the VIP room is yeah. that you can play some really exceptional stuff, like you're saying, expensive stuff that uh, you're going to pay a little more to play it, but now you kind of filter out just the regular people that might bang the flippers right, around. Right. You're going to have, you know, so you want to, you know, so people that really appreciate the Yeah, real, I'm, know, I'm envisioning a, almost like a separate room that's, yeah. you know... Velvet kind of, ropes. Yeah, or maybe even some, you know, whatever, glass doors or sure. something, right? So you can go in and, uh, yeah, so you'll have your own area, uh, high-end pins, you know, yeah. the newer stuff that sure. you could play. But, you know, again, a little bit more, um, you got to pay for that, right? right. So, Makes But, sense. yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, and I'm certainly open to the ideas uh, or idea in the future. So, Sounds great. Let's give our audience the information one more time. Tell people how they can stay in touch with you or look at your information. And most importantly, 
I want to stress to everybody, even though this is a downtown city location, there is free off-street parking. And lots of it. Yeah. <laughs> Unusual for Worcester, I've got to say, Absolutely. as one who doesn't come here often, yeah. but the times I do, it always seems to be parking garage right. and very little off, you know, on-street parking. Right. So that's huge yeah. in my eyes. Yeah, thanks, George. We got very lucky when we um, decided to, to uh, use this building for free play. It came with... I think the number is 128 parking spaces that are, are uh, allowed to free play. So we have great parking, uh, very close to the venue. I mean, you, you guys parked and walked right in. I mean, oh, so, yeah. um, that's a huge bonus, especially in downtown Worcester. We don't have that luxury in Providence, so it's nice to be, off, to be able to offer that here in Worcester. Um, if folks are looking for more information, you can go to freeplaybar.com, uh, our website. Uh, you can also search Free Play Bar uh, on Facebook. Uh, you'll find us there on Google. Uh, also, we're on Instagram. So whatever your social media fancy is, we, we probably have a space there for you to visit. And the street address? Uh, the street address, downtown Worcester, 25 Union Street, uh, right next to the DCU Center. It's just a block away from DCU. Um, so right in downtown Worcester, you can't miss us. Yeah, I want to thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Thank you guys awesome. for coming down tonight, taking the tour, and, and spending time with me. And uh, I had a great time doing this. So Stay yeah. tuned, audience. Free Play Bar coming soon to Worcester, Massachusetts.